Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everybody, welcome to another new episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and boy, life is just crazy. Just always is, right? That's how it just never seems to get a break, if you would. And it's always funny because I always tell my wife, it's like, eh, if we get through this week, then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have some time. We can relax. We can slow down. And then it's like 15 appointments and 75 events and all these things pop up. And you're like, okay, I guess not. Not going to happen this week. But cool. But anyways, this Saturday, I'm very excited because we are not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. It is a Christmas day for us. And yes, it is before Thanksgiving. And I don't care if you are a hater on that. We are going to be out of town on Thanksgiving. So we are going to set up our Christmas tree and we're going to make cookies and we're going to play Christmas music all day. And then in the nighttime, we're going to watch some Christmas movies. So I am excited for that day. This is the greatest part of like our little family tradition is setting it all up and doing it all as a family. And so uh, we took advantage of the warm weather and did the outside lights last week. And we're going to finish that up probably today, tomorrow, or sometime here relatively quick because it's supposed to get very cold this weekend. Um, but today it's like 65 and then like Friday is supposed to be like 30. So yeah, that's Iowa for you. Uh, no rant for you today, uh, though I probably could and would probably want to, but I'm not going to. So we're going to just get into the material. We're going to finish chapter 17 today. Um, and I do want to make this uh, statement for you as well, or kind of maybe pose this question to you. Um, would you want another rantathon? I've done them year over year for the last three or four years now, and I've enjoyed doing them. And uh, I've had guests on the show. I've done them just by myself. So let me know what you think. Um, if you want, you can send me a message. I probably won't check it on Instagram because I'm trying to minimize and, and take a break from that. So I might pop in there and check. You can email me or you can send them to the undying light page and I'll check that every once in a while. Um, so, you know, however you want to get in, get in touch. If you are, I might put a poll up just, just to see if it runs. Um, because I am interested to see for those who listen, if you want 
you know, another rantathon. Uh, and the topics can vary. And it's not like, you know, just me yelling and yelling and yelling. It's just, it's good discussion on present topics and present issues and the conditions of the church and conditions of the nation and the world and all that. And so, you know, we've, we've had eschatology roundtables and rantathons. We've had, you know, rantathons on politics and religion and all sorts of stuff. I've had, like I said, numerous guests on here. One year it was, um, Paul and Nick and Anthony and I, and we just had, it was like a two hour powwow of, of just discussions. And we talked about a whole bunch of things. Um, and so I try to get, you know, some friends that I'm very, you know, that have big platforms to try to get some friends that uh, don't have any sort of, you know, platform. And most people probably wouldn't know who they are, but I do. So get them and, and get their opinions and uh, let them speak their, you know, and get their voice out there. So we'll see whether it's uh, guest heavy or just a guest or just me. I don't know. We'll find out. But before we get to all of that, um, usually that episode drops on like New Year's Day. So however that'll take place, I'll probably record it sometime in December if we do go that route. Um, but let's get to the heart of the material today. Looking at the end of the 17th chapter of Matthew, we are continuing our journey on. And uh, depending on time, we could even break into the 18th. I don't, without just, you know, glancing too much into it, um, I don't know how much context we truly have on 17 here. And that's really just to say that <clears throat> these sections here are shorter, right? We have the foretelling of his death and the resurrection. We've talked about that a number of times on the show so far. And then we have the temple tax, which finishes us out in chapter 17. So without further ado, let us take a look at the text here today. Beginning with the 22nd verse, as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day, and they were greatly distressed. So it's a pretty straightforward text here, right? Jesus is telling his disciples he's going to die at the hands of man once again. So he's gathering here in verse 22. Apparently Jesus and his disciples had separated for a time period on their journey from Jerusalem uh, to Jerusalem for the Passover. So again, could have been just you know in the morning where they are coming out of various homes or wherever, or they may have gone off to do something, fetch food, or whatever it may be. Irrelevant. But what it is, is he's bringing them back into himself, and he's calling that he's going to be handed over once again. This term is used uh, throughout the passion of Jesus that we will see in the in, here in a, a couple of chapters. We'll see this handed over, uh, used over and over again. Jesus foretells his death here a second time. Earlier, the first was in chapter 16, remember when Peter first made the proclamation that he is the Christ, and then he rebukes Peter, and then he tells his uh, prophecy, essentially, of his death and resurrection for the first time. So now his disciples are even uh, in more distress. They're feeling helpless in grief and sorrow. They have no comprehension of what this resurrection is going to look like. They have no idea what is going to happen. All they know is that Jesus is going to die and that frightens them to the core. So this is why the text ends. They were greatly distressed. There's really nothing else going on with it. It is very simple and straightforward, as I had mentioned. So Jesus has to tell his disciples repeatedly that he's going to suffer and die 
and rise from the grave. Love prompts our Lord to repeat these things over and over to his disciples because they need to hear, they need to understand, and it's very simple for them to forget because they get washed up in all these miracles that they're witnessing that they're going that they easily forget. Jesus is going to go to the cross and die. Christians hear these same events year over year proclaimed again and again and we celebrate Lent almost like it's a new thing every year. Like it is one of those things that just can emotionally crush you because you you've just spent the prior, you know, 11 and a half months you know, working through the life and ministry of Jesus, you've just got done celebrating his birth. Everything is great. And then you get to this period where you experience this darkness and this despair on good, on good Friday. And it's just one of those events, one of those sermons that when I preach it, it is emotionally heavy and it's hard as a preacher to bring this message because you are talking about your savior being betrayed and then he's handed over to the men, and he's beaten and flogged, spit on, disgraced. I mean, he is just ridiculed into a into the ground. He is hated and despised by these men. And you read this passage every year, and it's almost like you are reading it for the first time because of the emotion that it drives up in one person. And so his disciples need to be reminded because they're going to forget, and they do forget. Until, you know, and, and even when he's arrested, they, they scatter like sheep without a shepherd. And they, they can't quite comprehend what's going on. And it, it's just the way it is. So we're, we're human. We just cannot comprehend until we see the full picture of things. And I think that even goes to say that in the ordinary, when we have just ordinary things going on in life and we're seeking something or we're praying for something and we're striving and working, and then all of a sudden, years down the road, it may be that we get an answer to what we've been praying about. And in the you know, in between time, God is driving us or drawing us to whatever He's got in our prayer answering, and we finally get to witness it. And it's you know, it, it, it's emotional because you've you feel like you know, everything in the prior time has been ordinary, and all of a sudden, you have this moment where you're just like. Wow, this is truly the work of God, and and I can you know maybe provide a, a real world example of this. Um, I started seminary in 2019 in August, and for the first six months or so, I was you know ingrained in seminary. I was working full time doing IT work, and I was doing some pulpit supply because I had been doing it prior, and I was really enjoying that. So there's really no commitment to it. I was just kind of helping some churches out as they had no pastor. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I was about a year in and I started to go, I really want to move into ministry full time, but I know it may not happen because I'm not out of seminary yet. And so I continued pulpit supply and I continued to interview with some churches and talk with churches and get my, you know, get kind of my feelers out there into the world, if you would, trying to see uh, what that market kind of looked like. And through most of 19 and most of 20, I spent just, you know, like I said, pulpit supply and, and interviewing with churches, etc. And you get to a point, you know, around the summer, late or early fall of 19 or of 20, I mean, and it felt like everything was just, there was just nothing going. And so I was a little, de- you know, a little despair had set in because I'm like, you know, I feel like I, I know enough and I really quite honestly didn't. And I'm very... <laughs> 
I'm very beyond speechless to what happened in, in, in November of 2020 when I got the call to come to Stratford because I, you know, up to that point was just still a novice. I, I was still very new to understanding all of this. And, you know, I, I had, you know, I'd done my, my research on scripture. I've read the Bible a couple of times. I knew, you know, enough to be dangerous, but I wasn't educated properly in the confessions and the system that we have as Lutherans. And I was not really properly educated in the fundamentals of how we handle scripture and how scripture is to be read. And thankfully I went through some courses over that summer that helped prepare me for this. And I was very pleased with my progress, but I still was very much, if you would call it a novice, I was very amateur like, and so, but, but, you know, despair still sets in because the human side of me thinks that I'm good enough. You know, I, I, I should be preaching in a church every Sunday. And so I kind of fought with myself and I wrestled with God a little bit and I was in, you know, some, some emotional turmoil, some inward emotional turmoil. And, uh, finally, uh, I remember a walk in the fall with my wife and our daughter at the time, we were walking around our pond and, um, that we had in our little complex that we lived at. And I told my wife, I said, look, I'm going to apply to this church in Iowa. If nothing happens from it, I'm going to just stick it out, finish seminary, and then, uh, we'll go on with life and see what happens then. And she says, okay. So we applied and I got a couple interviews, had some conversations, was invited to come out here and preach on the first Sunday, November. And I came out, preached. It was a great time, met the church, had a wonderful afternoon with everybody at, uh, at lunch. And it was a, it was just, it, it felt like home. It was so, it was so amazing that when I got into the car, when we were going home that day, I told Janae, I said, if this church doesn't call me, I said, I, I, no church is going to for until I'm done with seminary because like this felt so right. I gave everything I had and I still give everything I have every Sunday because I love this church. And sure enough on Thanksgiving weekend, they called me and to be their pastor. And you know, it's so those prayers through 19 and 20 were, were so meticulous that it was at God's timing that I came to this church because the prior pastor had retired in October of 2020. And so they literally had no time in between pastors. There was, you know, two weeks where they didn't have a preacher here. And so I am still so honored to be here because I'm coming up on my third year, uh, the first Sunday into December. So, you know, it is one of those things that we pray for and we finally get to see come to fruition. And I say all that because you know, these disciples here don't quite get the big picture and they don't until they see the resurrected Christ. And so that moment is when like everything clicks and then everything clicks and they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they go on and preach and establish churches and write the gospels and the epistles and put together the new Testament and train the next generation. And we now have the early church fathers and we have them coming in and and preaching and sharing and planting and growing the church. And it just sparks and wildfire erupts. And it's an amazing, you know, historical event to take place. So that's the second foretelling of his death. Let's move on to the temple tax 
and we'll see where time lies, and we'll probably just close her out there. I, I like to truncate it. I don't want to have to get into 18, so if we're you know short on time, we'll just cut her out. So 18 will be next uh, week. We'll talk about who is the greatest, and again, if time allows, maybe we'll look at temptations to sin. But for today, Temple Tax, verse 24. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of two Dracoma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher pay the tax? He said, yes. And when they came to the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, what do you think, Simon, from whom the kings of the earth take a toll or a tax from their sons or from others? And he said to them from others. And Jesus said, then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them. Go to the sea and cast a hook into and take the first fish that comes up and then open its mouth and you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them from me and for yourself. So a little, you know, interesting piece here um, on this taxing system here. We're in Capernaum right now and we have this true, this two Dracoma tax. Every adult Jew uh, male was to pay this annual tax. It's about two days wage. Uh, and this is to go to the support of the Jewish temple. So Jesus's reference here about the Kings is, a, is referring to the earthly Kings. It's a practice of earthly Kings and it's stating, do they collect taxes from their own sons? And he says, is it, is it from them or is it from others? And Peter replies, obviously from others. So his sons are free. So the sons of the earthly kings are not obligated to pay taxes. So Jesus, being the son of the heavenly king, was free from paying the temple tax. He was God in the flesh. But yet again, the Pharisees can't see that. They can't understand that. And therefore, it you know falls on deaf ears. And this little kind of snippet of a parable, if you would, is just kind of one of those that kind of glosses over their heads and they don't understand it. And so he tells Peter, go out, cast in, uh, a hook into the sea, catch the first fish and bring it in, open its mouth, take out a shekel and then give it to them from you and me. So Jesus does not want to give him a reason to find fault in him for refusing to pay the temple tax. This is why he says, go get this fish and you'll find a shekel. Uh, this is the way in which uh, Jesus provides payment of tax showed how much greater than the temple he was. So he obviously is the new tabernacle. He's the new temple. And the it's the greater than type thing, right? We have that typology taking place here. Jesus is indicating that he is far greater than this simple temple and far greater than this temple tax that these individuals are trying to drop on him and his disciples. So really, it's another simple and straightforward passage. Jesus is submitting to paying the temple tax so that he doesn't cause any offense, but he doesn't do it so out of his own pocket. He sends Peter off to uh, go and fish this out of the sea, essentially, right? Because he says the first fish open its mouth, they'll find a shekel. And this is the same Jesus who calms the stormy seas, feeds the multitudes, and scatters the, with scant provisions, humbles himself to the requirements of the law. So this, this man who has performed miraculous miracles and has done these wondrous things still can humble himself under the requirements of the law because this is what the Jewish law requires. And he is not a 
going to cause offense, though he is greater than this temple and essentially greater than the law, but he is humbling himself and he will continue to do so even to the cross, as Paul notes in uh, Philippians 2, 6 through 8, to pay the penalty for our sins of pride and tax evasion and all of the rest of our sins. His righteousness sets us free. So that really is chapter 17 in uh, a couple episodes. You know, we did the transfiguration to the boy of the demon, and then we did the resurrection foretelling and the temple text. Next week, we're going to look at uh, chapter 18. We'll start working through these last bits of text before we get to the um, entry into Jerusalem. And then we'll look and spend uh, an enormous amount of time in Holy Week. And then we'll get to his death and resurrection. Uh, and then probably by sometime next year, we'll be at the end of Matthew and we'll work into the book of Acts. So pretty excited for that. That's kind of my goal is to finish Matthew, go to Acts, and then just, you know, section by section, work through it and explain it, talk about it, have these conversations and hopes that you can understand the text a little bit clearer. And even if you don't agree with me, that's perfectly okay. You know, there's probably going to be numerous disagreements, especially when we get to the latter parts here, especially uh, when we get to the institution of the Lord's Supper and the death and resurrection, Matthew 28, all of those things, you'll probably find some disagreement with me. That's okay. That's what we're here to do. So uh, that's going to be that, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. It wasn't a super long show, but uh, we worked through the text. And again, it wasn't real long in-depth text. There wasn't a whole lot going on. It's pretty straightforward. Um, very easy, I think, to understand if you would just by surface meaning there's nothing deeper, there's no ingrained, um, you know, intricate definitions or routes or theology that we can unpack from it. It's pretty straightforward. It is what it is. And we see texts like that from time to time that it's just, it is, and that's great. And then there's texts that you're just going, I don't understand this and I got to figure it out. And so we unpack it deeper, you know, especially when we get into those parables and have to explain through all of that and all of the different levels those parables can contain and so well that's that ladies and gentlemen like i said uh we're getting close to the christmas season so um i've done christmas series on the in the past on the show i don't think i'm going to do it this year i might do a christmas a day episode uh i haven't quite decided yet it depends a lot about my availability and time leading up to christmas because um, working a couple jobs in the church and I'm just going to be very busy so I um, hope you guys are enjoying this series through Matthew and we will see you guys next week have a great weekend, God bless, we'll see y'all later on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.